All right, so we're continuing. Oh, it says 35 to 35. I'm not going very far, am I? <laughs> it's supposed to say 45. That's copy and paste for you when you don't go over it again, huh? Not that I copied and pasted everything. All right, so we're in Mark. I don't know if you've been um, gathering all the stuff that's been happening um, through Mark. So much cover, ground covered in, like, pastors covered 34 verses, and, um, you know, you could go on all day just by, from those verses. Jesus is, um, he's now out in the public setting, you know, like we would say, he burst onto the scene, this kind of statement. Um, and he's already after spending 40 days in the wilderness, and he's already after choosing some of his disciples to follow him, and he's gone and taught in the synagogue, and uh, pastor was teaching us he taught with authority, and they were surprised about that. And um, he also went about casting out devils, which was something that was new, and um, his fame was blazed abroad, as it were. And um, the, so let's continue. Like, um, let's um, just double back a few verses. Um, verse 32, I'm in Mark 1, 32. I'll just read a little bit, and then we'll pray, okay? So verse 32, um, And at even, when the sun did set, this is after a whole day of ministry, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils, and all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, rising a great while before the day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. I'll just pray. Father, thank you, Lord, that we get to open up your word. Thank you that um, we just get to meet together, Lord, as a church. What a blessing, Lord, that there's a church in our area um, that just wants to um, hear from you, Lord, and go by your word. And um, I just pray that you would just bless everyone, Lord. And I pray also that you'd be with Pastor as he's preaching. I don't know with the time difference, Lord. Um, he'll be preaching maybe later on while we're at home. But we do pray for him, Lord. I pray that he was, um, I know that he was a blessing, Lord, but I pray that you just give him much strength and much liberty and i pray you do the same again tonight he's also preaching so um we just pray that you just be upon us now lord and then just uh, speak to us as you see fit and uh, just guide us lord in your word and we pray in jesus name amen all right so uh, basically i just said there the title or whatever is the the strength behind jesus's ministry okay and um basically we read there in 35 that was where i was picking up after pastor finished from 34 it says and in the morning remember now he's had a long day ministering the day before, rising up a great while before the day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed, okay? So <clears throat> this is, you know, as I was kind of talking this morning about the fact that Jesus was, was and is God, you know, but he was God in the flesh when he was here on the earth, but he didn't um, do everything as God, if you know what I mean by that. He lived like a man and he drew strength the way a man needs to draw strength and that's the beginning of that is through prayer, okay? So he, if he needed to do a lot of ministry, if he needed to have the peace of God, if he needed to have clarity and wisdom as to what to do, um, he needed to pray and he needed to just align himself with the Father and just uh, seek wisdom, okay? So that's basically the importance of prayer here. It was that important. So, you know, I thought about it. I was like, what do I normally do if I had to rise a great while before the day, you know? And I thought about... When we were young, we were going to the Philippines, we would rise a great while before the day. 
and <laughs> get into a taxi or whatever and go to Cork Airport at like four in the morning or something silly. But um, I'd never be up other than that, other than, um, what else did I write down here? Um, you know, if you can't sleep because you're sick or something like that, or there's an extraordinary need. Nowadays, if the kids are awake, I'm also awake <laughs> a great while before the day because the kids are just so excited with life and I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> All right. But um, Jesus, beside the need and beside kind of justifying the fact that I had a long day and everybody was gathered together at the door late till the night, he still got up a great while before the day and prayed. And that's an example and a conviction to me. <laughs> I hope to you as well. Um, and he went down and departed in, in a solitary place. So the Bible is teaching us here that he had a habit of prayer, okay? You know, if you, um, you probably don't have to turn there, but in First um, Thessalonians 5.17, does anyone know that's a really short verse? Pray without ceasing. Yeah, one knows that verse too. <laughs> um, pray without ceasing, okay? So, you know, we could take that verse in the right and wrong way. We're always supposed to be in a spirit of prayer, but it's not that, like, you know, if you stop praying, you're not obeying that scripture, okay? But Jesus had a habit of prayer. Okay, and he went into a solid, solitary place. And um, what did he do there? You know, um, what do we need to do when we go and pray? We pray for direction, pray for wisdom in a certain situation. Okay, we pray for strength. Um, give us more patience, Lord. Anyone ever pray that? <laughs> um, there's a double whammy in that prayer, but anyway, pray for wisdom, pray for soft heartedness, pray basically according to the need. So I, I, I had a look around. I didn't look up all of this. Um, I found some, some, some handy pointers. But Jesus is basically praying all the time too, and it matches that scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5. So here, like in, um, uh, in verse 35, we see him, he's praying alone. You can also find that in Matthew 14, um, and, and also in Luke and in John. We probably don't need to go there. But it will go, he, he's also praying in public. Um, so we'll go to John 11, and I just want to give you the idea that Jesus was always in prayer. Um, prayer was a huge part of his life as a man on the earth. And this is something we need to apply ourselves to. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John 11. Patrick, do you want to read that? Luke 11, 41 and 42. Oh no, do I have the right one? Oh, I do. Um, so it's uh, 1141 it should say then they took away the stone so this is for Lazarus in J uh, John 11 yeah. oh yeah sorry yeah. Great. so this is basically Lazarus rising from the dead but hey And 42 as well. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because the people would stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Okay, so he's praying here as a testimony, okay? He's not, um, you know, um, probably getting ahead of myself here, but, um, you know, there's another verse that says, Jesus says, if you want to pray, get into a closet and uh, don't let anyone see you praying, <laughs> okay? Um, but is Jesus getting into a closet here and praying? He's not, okay? He's praying in public, but there's a reason, okay? So he gave that other scripture for the sake of we're not supposed to pray for the glory of, of men for that. And he said, you know, they have their reward to that um, publican that was, or the Pharisee, sorry, that was praying and saying, oh, I, I thank thee, God, that I'm not like all those 
low life's over there. You know, I do all the sorts of righteous things, and I'm so amazing, and I'm actually amazing now. I'm showing everybody, and I'm getting glory, and it's about me, and he's praying there. But Jesus here, he's praying, and he's praying as a testimony in public that gives glory to God, and there's a big difference between the two, okay? So, so Jesus teaches us to pray solitary place alone. He teaches us to pray in public, and there's um, some scripture verses here why we should be um, praying before meals and after meals. <laughs> Um, do you want to look up one of those? Who were we? We're in John. Back to Luke 24. Sure. Just because that's the closest one. Just going to hit a few scriptures here. Luke 24, 30. Sounds. So this is after the resurrection. Luke 24, 30. Sorry, it looks um, really small from there. Sorry, from the end. Um, and uh, the road to Emmaus, they just finished walking on that road. <laughs> And they're gone in for something to eat. And uh, um, Christopher, would you be able to? 3430. Okay. And obviously it says afterwards, then their eyes were opened and they knew. Okay, so this was just a habit that Jesus had. He prayed, he gave thanks before meals, he gave thanks before um, feeding of the 5,000, that kind of thing, okay? And. Um, when I'm trying to teach my kids we give thanks for food it's just slapped down in front of us it's nice when we get fed <laughs> and we just have to give glory to God and that could be a testimony as well right just like the other verse um, uh, if you're at a hotel eating or something like that you could pray and um, we actually had someone come up to us one time and we prayed and someone came over and said that was lovely it was nice to see that someone prayed before their meals and they went off and we were like okay thanks you know didn't know what to say but you know it's a testimony and it's something that, that hopefully the Bible says let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. All right, so this is some of the, the points of um, the importance of prayer. Before important decisions, um, maybe I'll skip over that one, but that would be, I believe, um, Jesus is maybe picking who's going to be the apostle. I can't remember that one now. We won't go to all of them. So he prays before and after healing. Um, again, it seems to be connected with a testimony or just pointing towards God. Okay, so prayer points towards God all the time, all right? Just like that other verse we just mentioned uh, where the, the Pharisee wanted to point towards himself. It's not about that, okay? And so people get uncomfortable praying in public and stuff. We pray in groups on a Wednesday night. And um, there's nothing wrong with feeling a little bit, um, what's the word? Self, uh, um, what's the word I'm saying? Self-conscious, thank you. Um, but at the same time, it's good to pray with one another. Like, you know, the, the way I was saying this morning, it's lovely. I love hearing people's testimonies and they're talking about how God is working in their life and how things work together for good. It's also really a special thing just to, to hear someone else's prayer, to pray with someone. And um, it's always a blessing. Um, I know I see a lot of you guys that I see on Wednesday and things like that. So like Eric said, I'm probably preaching to choir. But praying together, there's nothing wrong with that. And you should seek that out. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, uh, so before and after healing. And then the last one, um, this is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's just praying to do the Father's will, okay? So this is w where I would mention about strength. Um, so sometimes we know what's right to do, but it's an incredible struggle. And he says, you know, here he's sweating, as it were, great drops of blood in Matthew 26. I see, I hear, see people turning, so we might as well. We'll read just um, one or two sections of that. Maybe not the whole thing. Um, Matthew 26. And there's so many more scriptures I left out that I found that um, so many records of Jesus praying in the gospel. I'm, 
I would love to hear if someone counted how many times <laughs> Jesus recorded praying in the Bible. It's pretty crazy because it only covers about three years of his life, um, minus maybe some of the when he's in, in his father's house. I don't know is he praying there too. So Luke or Matthew twenty six, and um, it's probably. Um, okay, it's not what I expected. Maybe, do you want to do just um, 42 to 44, Shane? Yeah? Oh, yeah? yeah? It's okay. If you don't want to, I can pass it on. Amen. So yeah, that's loads actually. That's exactly what I wanted. Um, so basically he's praying here. He knows he's got to go to the cross. He knows he's literally born for this purpose to go there. But he's still, you know, there's still a... It's not that he doesn't want to do God's will, but it's, you know, it can be... It's a huge thing that he's taking on, you know. So he's saying, you know, well, if, if, if it be that I can't do this any other way, you know, I, I am resigned to doing what I need to do, you know, and he, this is the strength, and this, these prayer times here in the Gethsemane is what gets him through some arduous times over the next couple of hours as he gets and um, just vilely mistreated on his way to the cross. So there's the importance of prayer. You know, um, you know that phrase that people, a lot of people say, they say, behind every great man is a great woman. Very good. <laughs> but if you kind of turn that spiritually, behind every great spiritual man or man of God is a rich prayer life. Okay, because the Bible says, for without me, you can do nothing. And Jesus meant it when he said that. Okay, and therefore, you see him rising up a great while before the day. He prayed, he was all night in prayer before he walked on the water. Okay, this isn't just something that he just kind of whipped up, you know. He, he really, really put a lot of effort into it. And um, it's the same with us, you know. Um, we're not going to accomplish anything. People might, like, you know, um, I've gotten up to speak before and people say, oh, good, good job, or whatever it is, you know. But it's not going to bear any, any eternal fruit if it doesn't have prayer behind it and if it doesn't have God's power behind it, okay? Because, you know, that which is, um, you know, what's that verse? It says that which, which is uh, highly esteemed amongst men um, is an abomination with God, you know. Just because other men are impressed or this kind of stuff doesn't matter. If, if, it's, if it's God is in it, then, you know, the Bible says, you know, that hymn we sing, I don't know if you've sung that before, little is much when God is in it, okay? So um, that's a bit about the importance of prayer. I mean, you could talk all month, all year about the importance of prayer, but I'll just push on a little bit. He was interrupted while praying. Has anyone ever had that happen to them? <laughs> all right? Um, it's a lot easier nowadays because we've got phones and all this sort of stuff, even house phones. Well, I don't have a house phone, right? But anytime we go and we go to pastor's house, and, well, I wouldn't say anytime, but it feels like it happens often, their house phone will ring while one of our kids is asleep, and it's so annoying. <laughs> okay, and there's that interruption or whatever from the piece that uh, we had before the phone started ringing. He's got like three phones all over the house, so it's like a megaphone. <laughs> okay, so being interrupted. Um, in verse 36, this is where I'm getting it from. I'm back in Mark 1. Matthew, Mark. It should be only one or two pages there because we're at the end of Matthew. Um, so that was 35. 36 says, and Simon and they that were with him followed after him. Okay, so in the context here, Jesus has gone away praying, and um, 
you know, if you read long enough in the scriptures, you'll find out the apostles are always trying to catch up with him. <laughs> Jesus is always leaving them behind. He's trailblazing. And they're like, where's it gone now? Um, so they find out that Jesus isn't there because he's rose up a great while for, before the day. And they've, you know, probably just like the Garden of Gethsemane, they've been heavy with sleep. And um, they, they go out and they look for him. They know, because he's got a habit, they know that he's out praying. Okay? And that's another part of the testimony. You know, the apostles asked Jesus in uh, Luke 11, I love this verse, um, um, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Okay? So um, they knew that John was a prayer warrior, John the Baptist, and they knew that he had a powerful prayer. I'm sure they've heard him pray. They've been with him as he was talking with the Lord, and they wanted that same that same asked the Lord about that. They said, teach us to pray. You can pray also. We've heard you. Would you teach us? Okay. And um, so they realized he was gone and they knew he was out praying and they sought him. Okay. So I kind of mentioned that first already, so I'm not going to go over it too much. But, um, um, you know, it was okay. Jesus, Jesus didn't rebuke them when they disturbed him. Okay. So it's okay if something happens, if you're praying somewhere. I remember when I was still living at home, um, I was trying to pray in my room, and then mom just came in, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> that whole kind of teenager-like attitude kind of thing going on, um, I'm praying, you know, look at me, um, and she just wanted me to do something or whatever, but I, I shouldn't have been, I was obviously really deep in, with the Lord there, and it was a great reaction that I gave to her, right, <laughs> but um, it's okay if someone disturbs you and that kind of thing, um, they came to him and they disturbed him, and um, um, they, they said to him, <laughs> Uh, let's say in verse 37, and when they had found him, they said unto him, all men seek for thee, okay? They're, so they're kind of almost like saying, I don't know if my interpretation is correct, but they're saying, there's so much that needs to be done. What are you doing here praying? Why don't we just go out and help all the people? That kind of thing, all right? But um, Jesus, he's always really nice with all the things that, that, that the apostles seem to come up with saying. You know, like they're like, shall we call fire down upon them and burn them up like Elias said? And Jesus isn't like, you know, he's not... He, he always has such a nice answer, I find, to, to people's kind of um, um, immaturity or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and so here, he just kind of glosses right over them and he says unto them in verse 38, let us go into the next towns. So he's not like, you know, you disturb me, don't do it again. <laughs> or he, he's not like, um, but see, Jesus knew where it was at, basically, okay? He, um, he, he said, you know, um, yeah, okay. Luther said this, Martin Luther. He said, this is what, I, what, I didn't hear him, okay, but this is what they said. He said. <laughs> he said, I have so much to do, I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. <laughs> have you ever said that? I was like, wow. You know, we sing about sweet hour of prayer, you know, and then this guy is like three hours in prayer. But Jesus knows, Jesus knows, if I'm going to do all that, there's a great need there. I can't just react to it. I have to. He has to pray. He has to begin there. He has to seek God's help because, again, Without him, we can do nothing, okay? So, um, um, I guess that's a little bit about, about prayer and that kind of thing. Um, that's the reality of life, I think. I think it's very realistic here where we try to make time for prayer and things like that, or we try to get into prayer, or we're like, I didn't pray this morning, I will pray now. And then you get into this good thing and you start praying, but all of a sudden someone disturbs you. Has anyone ever found that? I don't know. This is... Okay, um, so it's a reality in life, okay? Um, so even when you make great effort and you schedule in prayer and you might tick all the boxes and do all the right things, the busy, once the business of the day begins, you know, um, it, it's easier for all the distractions to come. So I highly recommend, some people tell me, they're like, oh, I, I feel better about reading my Bible at night or 
praying in the evening or this, this kind of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. But just, well, we look at a pattern here, okay? And I'm not commanding that this is so. But Jesus rose up a great while before the day. Because when you do rise up a great while before the day, everybody isn't up too, <laughs> okay? Phones aren't ringing. There's nothing going on. The news isn't even updated yet on, you know, RT News or whatever it is that you guys read. Um, so there's less distractions and you can do whatever it is you need to do undisturbed and it's very good quality time all right so um, that's the strength behind Jesus ministry he's preparing in prayer and now he's back to ministry work so I, I started reading verse 38 there and he says and he said unto them let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also for therefore came I forth okay so you know, as I said there, you know the way Jesus, he, he has a great reaction when people tell him silly things, all right? And um, basically, he, he was unfazed by their comments, all men seek after you, what are you doing here? You know, kind of that kind of spirit to it. Um, and he didn't say, let's go to them. He said, let's go into the next town. So he's like, I've been here, I've done this, you know, they've heard, they need to stew on that, or they've accepted, or they've rejected. I'm going to the next town, okay? And it's a great... Um, it's a great principle for ministry. Um, he's being proactive here, okay? So he's not being reactive, he's proactive. He's like, let's keep pushing forward, okay? So, you know, I find that that's, that is a Christ-like characteristic that our pastor has where he's always pushing forward, okay? Because it's easy to sit back. And, you know, he's always pushing Eric and I forward in the office and we're kind of like, oh, I've got to go for a cup of coffee. You know? <laughs> and pastor's like, let's do this and let's plan this. And, oh, if we did this. And we're kind of like, relax. We just, just need to get the stuff done that you already put on my to-do list, you know. Um, but it's, it's a positive thing. Now, I'm not saying to be overwhelmed is good, but I'm just saying, like, he's never settling and he always wants to push forward and gain ground, okay? Because it's too easy to be a backsliding Christian. It's so easy to be a backsliding Christian. You know, we need to not be ignorant of Satan's devices and always push forward. So I think this is a good, a good um, testimony. And then he gives a why. He says, for therefore came I forth in, in um, the ends down, verse 38, okay? So he's, he's living by principles, like God's word. God, like I said this morning, you know, the will of God directed him. He's like, well, God sent me into the world to, you know, to be a ransom for many, to do this ministry. And... Um, you know, he says, how am I how I'm straightened until it be accomplished? He says, I have to finish this. I have to do this. And this is, you know, we would say, make hay while the sun shines, correct? <laughs> okay, so this is what Jesus is doing because there's an urgency here. Um, uh, I have verses for that too. John 9, let's just go to John 9 here. I kind of talked about the urgency already this morning, but let's just have a look at John 9. We've got Yuming here. Would you like to read a verse, Yuming? John 9, verse 4. Okay, so he's saying there's a sense of urgency here. There's limited time, okay? <laughs> it's interesting coming from essentially an eternal, eternal being. He's 100% God, but yes, his time is limited as a man on the earth. And, you know, the Bible says in Psalm 90, I, I love this, you know, this truth. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. That's Psalm 90, the one that Moses wrote. Um, and I think I've said to you guys before, remember, I came across this book called 20,000 Days. And this guy realized that, you know, he was reaching 20,000 days that he was alive. That's about 
uh, you're now almost 55 years old or whatever, okay, 20,000 days. Can you imagine 20,000 days? Think about it. And um, it kind of was a wake-up call for him. He, went, he was like, what have I accomplished with all these 20,000 days? I'm going to make the most with the rest of my life, okay? But um, that sense of urgency um, is always good when we pick it up earlier, the better. They talk, that's like compound interest. It's the earlier, the better. <laughs> you invest early, compound interest goes higher, faster, all right? rather than doing it late. And Jesus says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it's day. It's day right now, got to do something. I'm tired, I could sit down, blah, blah, blah. But the night will come, we'll all rest then, right? <laughs> I can rest then, but now I got to do something. And, you know, I'm not talking that to overkill, because, you know, he did say to the apostles, you know, he said, um, let's come apart, you know, um, and rest a while, you know, in a desert place. So he wasn't like, you know, all like, you know, uh, cracking the whip kind of thing, but he was mighty determined, okay? And you can do a lot more than you think you can, <laughs> okay? You'd be surprised with a bit of effort and a bit of work um, what you would can accomplish, and that's one of the reasons why I love endurance sports, because it's just surprising. And um, the thing about endurance sports is it seems almost the older you get, the better you are. Like these 20 and 30-year-old guys are, are soft in the mind, and they can't. They've got the body, but they don't have the mind to do this. And the people who are breaking records are like in their 50s. There was this guy, he's 55, and he broke the record. Um, this 2,300-mile trail in the Appalachian Mountains, and he did it like day after day. He was doing up to 50 miles in a day, running, walking, whatever it was. He's 55, and it's like, wow. Like some 20-year-old could smash that if he had the mind for it. But he hasn't lived that long, <laughs> and he hasn't hardened his mind like that, you know. Um, that's why the Bible says, you know, um, I love that other verse. Um, um, oh, it's in Timothy. It says, as, um, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. What's that one? Um, endure hardness. Yeah, there you go. So um, they're all those kind of military men, kind of quitchy-like men, stand fast, be strong <laughs> in First Corinthians. So um, it, it's, it's important, and Jesus has this kind of mind. He's teaching us you know, that you can do more. Okay. So anyway, he's living by principle. He's making hay while the sun shines. And um, he wasn't, again, he wasn't reactive, okay? There's so many needs out there, okay? So when we look outside, I was telling you this morning, he says, look at the fields, look at all the okay? But Jesus isn't asking us to meet all of that need all at one go, because we're not going to do that, okay? So Jesus had people coming to the door. He didn't minister to everyone, okay? He did minister unto who the Lord told him to minister to, and he taught that when he said that there was many, um, what was it, was there, what did he say about, um, there was many, um, was it widows or was it lepers in, um, back in the Old Testament, but God called Elias or Elijah unto just one of those? Um, or was it the woman with the cruise of oil or whatever? Um, you can look that up later if you want. But I'm just saying that um, he ministered unto needs as he saw fit. Like, let's say go to um, Luke 9.53. Matthew, Mark, Luke 9.53. Who have I got next there, Josiah? Okay, so there's people that have needs in this place, and he's not entirely focused on that because he's got an overriding will. So he's not here just to meet everybody's needs, he's here to do the will of God. Does that make sense? And they were offended at that, because they're like, we have needs too. Whatever. But he was like, there is a greater need if I go and do this and go to the cross. I am ministering unto you in the meantime, but not the way you 
you think that we should. And a lot of the times, that's the struggle in prayer. We get upset with God, and we're like, God, why aren't you doing this? But God is saying, uh, I'll do it on my terms, and my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts, and it doesn't feel like it, but I, I love you, you know, and I'm dealing with this in the way that's best. But we don't like that, <laughs> especially in our flesh, okay? And um, but the, we don't like a lot, I think we don't like a lot of parts of what are the will of God for us. And that's, the, that's where we're coming to terms with that in prayer, and we're ironing it out, and we're reading God's word, and we're settling that we'll stand on those promises. God says he's good. I don't feel like it right now, but it's true anyway. And I have to get over that and embrace that, you know? And that could be hard, okay? So um, Jesus met people's needs as he saw fit, not as they saw fit, okay? There's more scriptures there. But we'll go on. So that's um, part of his public ministry here. He preached throughout all Galilee, it says in verse 39, and back in Mark 1. I suppose we should probably just keep a spot here so we keep coming back to it. And he preached in their synagogues, verse 39, throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. Okay, So this was his, his um, way that he was going to reach out to people at the time. Okay, Preach the kingdom and um, cast out devils. And we learn from other portions of scripture is if he has the power to raise someone up that's been crippled all their life, then he also has the power to cleanse sins inside. Okay? Um, and he did, you know, you've heard that first in Corinthians, um, do everything decently and in order, okay? So he methodically went through, and there wasn't a town that he missed, he went through um, all Galilee, and he, he, there was a time, you know, that's the way they say, the preachers say, you know, don't um, let Jesus pass by, because Jesus is going to pass by. He is going to come down and touch your life and minister and reach unto you, but we don't want to be ignorant of that and let it, let it go by enough, you know, cry out to him while he's near, call ye upon him while he is near, it says, says what's that, Isaiah 55. All right, so um, I guess I'll, I'll move on from that one. So that was part of this, basically, all of his public ministry, and then, so he's always reaching out, he's doing things decently in order, and then, as part of that, then, he did one-to-one -one ministry, okay? Um, hopefully, I'll apply this to us all in a while, but um, we're in verse 40 now. I'll read a little bit of that, and um, we'll talk about that a little bit more, and then we'll finish up. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and said unto him, I will, be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. <laughs> so um, there's those action words the pastor was talking about. This is the style that Mark writes in. Everything's all go, go, go. It's like, it's kind of like a highlights reel almost, even though <laughs> I wouldn't, I'm not sure is it the shortest gospel, I can't remember. But um, he's very action-orientated, if you like action and adventure movies. <laughs> okay, so here, he's, a leper comes unto him, okay? So I thought it was interesting um, leprosy is actually still prevalent today in the world. You know, I always thought like, oh, it's in the Bible, the Bible, the Bible's ages ago, the Bible 2,000 years ago, the Bible. Leprosy is actually still really prevalent today. And if you look it up, um, I looked at this site called Leprosy Mission Ireland, and they say that around the world, every two minutes a person hears the words, you have leprosy. I'm like, this is so shocking to me. Um, and, um, you know, when you look up more, 
there, uh, there's newspapers reported two cases of leprosy in Dublin back in 2013. I mean, that's not so long ago, and that's in Ireland. It's not gone, you know? It's still around. And um, I also read that uh, Mayfield, hope no one's from Mayfield, used to be a, a leper colony. Does anyone ever know that? Back in medieval times. Crazy. Uh, that's what I read. I, I don't know. I wasn't there. Okay? But um, um, I hope that you have heard, if you've heard any teaching about the, uh, a leper, that they wore kind of clothes, rags, and things. And um, sometimes, you know, in history at least, they had a, a bell to warn others of their presence. Okay? And they even had to walk on a certain side of the road, or they had to watch the wind's direction and, and consider other people when they were moving around. Okay? So, um, I came across um, a kind of a, there's this uh, preacher or author, a guy named J. Vernon McGee, and he writes these commentaries and things, and he, he tried to, um, this isn't Bible now, but it's, he tried to kind of paint a picture or an illustration of what it might be like for this leper here. So um, I'll read this here. It says, we are not told how the man discovered he had leprosy, but it could have happened in the following manner. One day he came in from plowing and said to his wife, I have a little sore on the palm of my hand. It bothers me when I'm plowing. Could you put a poultice on it? and wrap it for me. His wife bandaged his hand, and the next day the sore was worse. In a few days, they both became alarmed. His wife said, you should go to the priest. He went to the priest, who put him in isolation for 14 days, and when he was brought out, the priest looked him over and found the leprosy had spread. The priest told him he was a leper. The heartbroken man said to the priest, let me go to my wife and children and tell them goodbye. The priest replied, you cannot tell them goodbye. You will never be able to Take your lovely wife in your arms again. You'll never be able to put your arms around those precious children of yours. The man went off alone. His family brought his food to a certain place and then went through when he came to get it. In the distance, he could see his wife and observe his children growing day by day. Okay? So I just thought that that was fitting because it gives us an idea of just what happens when you get leprosy. I mean, you're, it, it's one thing to have the pain and the smell, and I don't know if you've studied about it, and what happens to a person physically, you're suffering but there's total isolation and separation, and it's horrible, okay? And um, the Bible spells out in Leviticus, you know, what a person was supposed to do um, to find out that they were, had leprosy. But there was also, interestingly enough, a procedure for when you were cleansed from leprosy, which is surprising that they make allowance for that. Um, but okay, so we have this leper here, and um, he comes to Jesus, and uh, he comes in a special way. There's a lot of lepers that came to Jesus, okay? But this is one of the few, okay? And there's a few qualities here that this guy has. He's, it says here he's beseeching. The leper came unto him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean, okay? So basically, obviously the beseeching is part of the great need. And it, it's never a bad thing to have a great need when you can go to a God who can meet a great need, a God who is able, a God who has a mighty arm and is looking to and fro, and he wants to show himself mighty for someone who would come to him, okay? So this is the kind of God he's coming to, and um, it says he's kneeling down to him. So this is a condition of the heart, okay? He's not coming on his own terms. He's brokenhearted, and the Bible says that, um, you know, um, that a contrite heart is acceptable in the sight of the Lord. And um, um, uh, I forget the rest of that verse, but um, so he's not proud, he's humbled. And then he's acknowledging the fact that the Lord can. Do you remember when the centurion came and he said, um, I'm also a man under authority. I say to this man, go, and he goes. And I say to this man, come over here, and he comes over to me. And he says, I know you have authority. 
And I know if you say, heal my son, or my son is healed, that that authority is valid and that my son will be healed. So in the same way, there is faith here in this leper. He says, if thou wilt, if you want to, thou canst make me clean. He says, I believe, I have faith. I know that you can do it if you only would. Okay? So, um, you know, I will pause here and say, don't get the impression that um, everyone that Jesus spoke to got converted. <laughs> because, you know, um, the Bible says, all be like sheep have gone astray. There were plenty of people that rejected Jesus, even in his lifetime with his super preaching. Right? <laughs> it's the best preaching you could, probably could ever come across, right? Um, so, th- like, I just, I just don't believe in the fact that the, um, some people believe that there's something called irresistible grace and that someone can't say no once the Lord says, I don't believe that, okay? Because we're, you know, we're asked and we're saying, whosoever, whosoever, okay? And I know the Lord works in our life. It's one of those tensions or those, um, you know, um, it's a supposed contradiction, but it, it makes sense by faith. God says, we have a choice, therefore we do, okay? Adam and Eve had a choice. God knows maybe how it will turn out, but that's nothing to do with making us make decisions, okay? So some got healed, but were not converted. We've read that in the Bible and other places. And some were sought, but they weren't converted. I probably don't have time to go to scriptures, but um, remember Jesus heals 10 lepers? And how many come back to him? One, okay, Samaritan. Samaritan at that. And the others go away. They got healed. All right, they're back to their families. They're living their lives. They probably got their job back and their house back and their cat back and all that stuff. The pastors are, need to play country music backwards. Um, <laughs> um, but they didn't get salvation. The only one who got salvation was the guy who came back and praised God with a loud voice. So this guy is similar. He's coming to the Lord by faith. He's not just there, but he believes. He believes that Jesus is who he said he is and that he can do what he says he can do. Um, And that's important, okay? You have to acknowledge God. So um, Jesus was moved with compassion. Um, This is a big deal. I, I pointed that other part of the story out, you know, that no one would come near this person, this leper wouldn't touch him, you know, total isolation. Um, we might understand it if someone walked into this room now with coronavirus, COVID-19 or whatever. How would you feel if someone walked in with coronavirus? We wouldn't be too happy, would we? Would you be happy, Jim? There's an exit right there. <laughs> All right. So in the same way, leprosy, no one wanted to get it, okay? Um, but Jesus... The fact that he put forward his hand, it's kind of a miracle in itself, if you know what I mean by that, okay? Um, but I, I have a question here. It says, how could someone so unclean move the hand of God? Isn't that amazing? You know, our sins have separated between us and our God, but the Lord, he can bridge that gap. And something that's so, you'd never think it would happen. You know, all things are possible with God. Cause, um, and, you know, touched with the feeling of our infirmities, you know, it probably goes even further in that sort of sense, the meaning of that. So the fact that he touched him was a testimony because nobody would have touched him. And the fact that he wanted to, Jesus wasn't kind of like, you know, sometimes we minister to people who are like, you know, this is difficult, rather not. But Jesus was doing it freely. And, um, and he also, he just spoke it and it was done. And there's the power of God's word again, just like Genesis 1, of course. Um, but it, it's such great power. And to top it all off, Mark says, immediately, okay? So, you know... <laughs> The devils obey immediately. You know when we talk about kids obeying or whatever, and we're saying, to delay is to disobey. There's a song. If you delay, you haven't obeyed, right? But when the minute Jesus says it, boom, you know, there's no, there's no um, 
answering back from, from that devil, he's cast out, that disease is gone, that salvation is obtained. It's just amazing, all right? Um, so Jesus moves with compassion, and he basically cleansed that guy. What a joy to be clean. <laughs> all right, and the, the rest of this story that I read out for you from this guy, he says, Then one day the Lord Jesus came by, the leper declared, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. The king of kings replied, I will, be thou clean. But notice how the Lord healed him. He put forth his hand and touched this man afflicted with leprosy. This poor man had not felt anyone's touch for years. Can you imagine what it must have meant to him to have the touch of Christ's hand upon him? And then he kind of applies, he says, Has the Lord Jesus touched your life? There are so many lives that need to be touched. If you are his and you are fishing at his command, I'm confident that you can reach someone for the Lord. You need to reach out your hand and touch some soul whom only you can touch for for him, for the Lord today. All right. So the last point there, we're running out of time. Um, I think this is interesting. We're in Mark 1.43 now, okay? As, so um, I don't know if I read 42, and as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. And then this is um, where we're going to read the rest of it. And he straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away and saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. Okay, so I'll be quick with this. He basically, he charged him to say nothing, which is fascinating. Um, but there's a lot of meaning in, to that, okay? Like, um, he charged him and he sent him away and he said, don't do anything, but, um, but go to the priest for a testimony, okay? So the fact that he said to say nothing, the one thing that, it, that I think that it, would, um, that it would mean, there's two I'm going to say, but he says the more, I have a, a quote here from um, a commentary, it says, the more he sought to conceal himself under a veil of humility, the more notice did people take of him. For honor is like a shadow, which flees from those that pursue it. For a man to seek his own glory is not glory, but follow those that decline it and draw from it. Okay? So the fact that the Lord, the Lord wasn't doing it for his own glory, the man Christ Jesus, I should say, probably, okay? Wasn't doing it for his own glory. He wasn't doing it saying, look at me, look what I can do. Look at me, I'm the Son of God, look at me. It's about me. He was directing it to the Father. Okay? He was directing the worship of the Father. And that way people were like, okay, he's not about himself. He's not about money. He's not about you know, some ulterior motive, because he's trying to, to tell people, just don't worry about it, just, just leave it off or whatever, okay? And there's a certain spirit in that, which I think is important. Um, he just said, just go to the priest for a testimony, okay? So if you turn to 2 Corinthians 5, I'll give you in a minute the second reason, I think, why, and this one's more practical, but <laughs> um, 2 Corinthians, sorry. Who have I got to read next? Um, do you want to read it, or Eric? Or? Yeah, sure, why not? 2 Corinthians 5.15. We're almost done here now. Oh, yeah. Okay, so here he's saying that, you know, people ought to do something in, in the name of, of Jesus, if you know what I mean, by um, live for 
live for Jesus or live for his honor rather than their own, okay? That's what our memory verse is about. It's about not living for ourselves anymore and living for a greater cause, okay? And in the same way, Jesus wasn't about himself, even though he was God in the flesh. He wanted to do those things that please the Father, and he wanted to point everyone to the Father, and he wanted to open the way for everyone in the world to be able to come onto the Father, through him, of course, but it wasn't about him, if you know what I mean by that, okay? He, he was directing um, all the praise upward, and we should do the same thing, if you know what I mean by that, okay? Um, but the second reason... Um, um, I don't know, do I have anything else here? Oh yeah, why would Jesus command him to say nothing? Okay, so, um, you know, I didn't kind of explain on a more practical basis that going to the priest would be a testimony in himself. Can you imagine, Jesus was going around healing, right? And there was all these laws in Leviticus that pointed out when you get cleansed, go to the priest and offer a turtle dove or a thing, wait eight days, come back again, give another thing. It's all found in like Leviticus 13 and 14, leprosy and the cleansing. Um, and all of a sudden there's this influx of people into the temple I got healed. Blah, 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 blah. What do I need to do? Oh, I got healed. You got healed too. What happened to you? You know, and all this. And this is going on and on. There's just queues of people coming in needing to give extra sacrifices. And the priest is like, I've never seen anything like this in my life. Who is this person? You know? And can you see how this is like a testimony? All right. Um, but here, um, in verse 45, last verse. But he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. Okay, so he began to publish it much. And was Jesus still able to minister in the synagogues in the center of town? No, okay. So it actually hindered his ministry. Okay, and that's the second point. I think it's very practical as well. Jesus is saying, if everybody's coming to me and crowding me, you know, at the door, I can only do so much. Okay, so he wasn't able to walk freely, walk openly, you know, the same way when the guys were seeking to kill him, he didn't go up onto the feet straight away because he knew the guys were, I don't know what they're doing, walking around with stones or, <laughs> you know, they're just waiting to get him. And so Jesus said, I'll go up in a different way, but I can't, I can't do it as easily as I, I would like to maybe, okay? So here we find he was without with desert places, but either way, you know, um, it wasn't as much as he could do, but it didn't really stop him either because if you really wanted to meet the Lord you'd come out into that desert place because you'd do what it took um, <laughs> to see him and to be with him and that was what those guys did when they came out and they were so far out and then they couldn't go home and buy food so Jesus was like alright so I'll sit down for dinner anyway <laughs> okay um, so it did hinder, hinder him a small bit um, but either way we don't want to be responsible for that I hope that we don't get in the way when we're <laughs> You know, that's why some, uh, we're ambassadors for Christ, and uh, hopefully the things that we do don't make it hard for someone to come onto Christ. Hopefully we're in the helping Jesus' ministry part, <laughs> okay, and we're, we're helping people. You know, the only hindering we need to be doing is like Charles Spurgeon, where he said, you know, if there's any hindering I'm going to do, I want to stand in the way of people who are going straight to hell and leaping into the depths of hell, and I want to stop them, block them, all right, and stand in the gap. That's the hindering that we need to do, not hindering the other way. I'm coming to the Lord, no, no, no. You know, that kind of idea, okay? And that's, that's the, the, the goal that we need to have. And we're going to need to do it by prayer, get wisdom and strength. And, um, you know, we do have a ministry because we're ambassadors. So it's not as if you just have to be, you don't have to be up here at church or anything. You know, things that you do, you're reaching out for the Lord. We are his arms and his hands and his feet. And um, we need to be pointing people towards the Lord and being a good testimony. So... That's what I have for tonight. I'm just going to pray. 
and um, we'll sing one last song before we go. Father, thank you, Lord, for um, just getting a, a glimpse into um, Jesus' ministry and work on earth and just getting a sense and a spirit of what it was like and um, what Jesus accomplished, what he did, and why he did what he did. And we just thank you, Lord, for all the glory that it brings to you. We thank you, Lord, for um, Jesus' heart and his, um, his soft answers, even when we probably ask the wrong questions or point out the wrong things. And we thank you, Lord, um, that we get the opportunity, hopefully, Lord, to be a help and to, to bring honor to Jesus, Lord, for all that he's done. It's the least that we can do, Lord. So I pray that you to help us. Um, again, be with Pastor Lord as he's preaching and things. And I pray that you would just be with us this month, Missions Month, Lord, that we would um, just try and do one thing, Lord. If, if, if we all just gave out one track, you know, uh, uh, just even in the whole month or whatever, it would be better than nothing, Lord. So I pray that you just help us just to do something, um, just to honor you and show how much we love you, Lord. Um, so I just pray that you would bless us now as we go home, keep us safe, and bring us back together on Wednesday, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.